Hey, welcome to the Virtually Speaking Podcast. My name is Pete Fletcher, and joining me as usual is my good friend, Mr. John Nicholson. John, how you doing, buddy? Good. I'm, I'm feeling a bit tanned. I just got yeah. back from Mexico. You know, I got some color. Feeling fancy. I was so jealous. I was looking at your pictures. Meanwhile, I had the flu, and I'm looking at your pictures of you just hanging out on the water, you know, drinking all types of adult beverages. Yeah, I was a little jealous. Yeah, I... I I forgot to put in PTO, so I just had, you know, being in chat GBT answer all my emails for me. It was great. Like, <laughs> I like it, man. That's that's a beautiful thing. Well, John, uh, I'm excited about this one. Uh, this is a topic that you and I have not spent a lot of time talking about. We, we definitely talk about a lot of the different services that VMware offers, um, but this is not one that we spent a ton of time on, uh, and that is uh, the Azure VMware Azure VMware Solutions, and so uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring on some experts to talk that. Starting with from VMware, an old friend of the podcast, Mr. Ahmad Yunus. Ahmad, welcome back. Hey, th guys, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, John, uh, that tan. We're gonna have to talk. Uh, maybe compare tans or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Comparatively speaking, it is a tan. <laughs> yeah, uh, mine of uh, mine does not fade away though. Uh, there's yeah. a difference. I like it. So yeah, Ahmad, thank you so much for joining us and uh, and representing the VMware side of this uh, Azure VMware solution. Joining us from the Microsoft side to talk about this Azure VMware solution is Principal Technical Product Manager from Microsoft, Joe Sarabia. Joe, welcome to the huddle. Or Joe, welcome to the Virtually Speaking Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's my first time here and I'm glad to be joining. And, and John, I got to say with ChatGPT doing your heavy lifting, I'm surprised you came back at all. You know, it, it, I'm looking for a podcast model, language model. We got to figure that out. Like, it's got to blend like kind of goofball jokes and and, and hard hitting technical questions. We, we got to <laughs> we'll have to train that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about Azure VMware solutions, but now that we're talking Chat GPT, what is the, anyone in the call here? What is the the most use you've gotten out of that so far? So I've used it. Uh, after writing a few, let's say, abstracts, yeah. it's pretty interesting to see uh, what the uh, chat GPT will come back with, right? And uh, the good thing is you can say, okay, here's abstract one, here's abstract two. Hey, give me the best of both abstracts, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but what I found is you still have to review it, right? I mean, you can't just willy-nilly take what it's going to output and, and post it, right? You still got to review, change some words. But for the most part, it's, it's, uh, it does a pretty good job. Yeah, I'm waiting for the Microsoft version. I just want I Microsoft to be able to do my PowerPoints. That's all. <laughs> yeah, that's getting closer, I think. I, I had a win with ChatGPT just this week, actually, where I'm, I'm decent with Excel. I don't know that I'm an expert. Um, and I was having trouble figuring out how to do this analysis. And it was a workbook that I got from somewhere else. I, was, I just the data was what it was, and I had to deal with it. And I had fiddled with trying to write this formula that I, I just knew it was it was pretty dicey. And I asked, without any special prompt engineering, what I was trying to solve in plain language. And it spat back a formula, uh, an array formula, which I don't know array formulas in Excel at all. And I was like, whoa. And uh, like Ahmad said, it, one little typo in it, but um, solved it. And I've been asking for a couple of weeks and no one knew how to kind of get the data I was looking for out of it and chat GPT did it in like 12 seconds. 
Yeah. 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 I've seen some impressive, uh, use cases for it for sure. But yeah, I think for me so far, it's, it's mainly been just to, uh, Hey, I'm, I want to start a project on something. Give me something to start with. And then it gives me probably about 50% and maybe 60% and then it's, uh, and the rest is on you, but yeah, I, still a fun toy. Pete, Pete yeah. didn't you, didn't it get a, uh, a VMware Explorer session accepted for you? <laughs> it actually did. Yeah. The virtually speaking podcast session for explore just for kicks. I was like, all right, I'm just going to put uh, I'm going to almost make this thing 100% chat GPT. And with the exception of a few words, uh, yeah, my abstract is from chat GPT. Nice. Uh, so yeah, good stuff. But yeah, we're not here to talk about ChatGPT. We are talking about something that does simplify your life. Uh, if you are a VMware customer and that is Azure VMware solutions. So uh, Joe, before we dive too deep, set the set the uh, level here for us. What exactly is AVS? Yeah, it's a it's a solution. Essentially, I like to call it a, a managed uh, VMware solution. You can think of it almost as uh, VMware as a service or a platform as a service offering that's combined between VMware and Microsoft. We can get into those details later if you like. Um, but really, we think that this is the best of both worlds that allows customers to maintain their investment in VMware technology, tooling, operational know-how with the, the flexibility um, and power of, of the cloud. And, you know, really, we see it as facilitating the, the journey that we see many customers taking, you know, to the cloud and potentially beyond. So we see customers that are just, I need to shut, my, shut down my data center. For a variety of reasons so we can accommodate those use cases it could be i want some dr as a service you know we can do that too and what a lot of customers are telling us though is that this is really a stopping point on their way to to some you know later destination um, where they really embrace more let's say cloud native type technologies uh, so it's a really interesting time and you know i think that if you reflect on the history of vmware and vmware customers uh, there's always been a Microsoft component to that between, you know, Windows, SQL, Active Directory, right? And oh, so yeah. bringing these worlds together, I think, is, is really exciting. And we're seeing great traction with our customers so far. I think it's, uh, it's now become an easier stepping point, right? Because imagine before when, when it was like, okay, I need to bring my VMware VM to the cloud, right? It wasn't just simply choose a cloud and migrate, right? It was, okay, now I actually have to think about modernization and getting this workload into these native services. But now we're allowing customers to leverage that that same vCenter that they're used to on-prem, right? The same ESXi host. So that same view that they typically have in an on-premises data center, they're getting with an AVS environment. And in the addition, you know, what Joe talked about, what, what I like to add to it is that whole life cycle aspect, right? Today... As administrators, right? I mean, we've all been administrators at some point in our career, and I can tell you, we all didn't really enjoy having to stay up late to update vCenter and then update, you know, thousands of hosts or, or patch them. And that's the beauty of the service is because it is a managed service by Microsoft. Microsoft will take care of all the lifecycle aspects of the components, right? So the vCenter, ESXi hosts, the NSX manager. Right uh, now, the exception here 
will be the the HCX, right? Because the HCX is considered, and we can talk more about that later. It's considered what's quote unquote an add-on, which I, I think that word is a bit misleading because HCX is included in free, right? Yeah. But SRN is also an add-on. But there are a lot of benefits that you typically don't get. Uh, in a traditional environment that you do with AVS. And in, in addition to that, the benefits of if if you have older versions of Windows or SQL, right, say around like you know, 2008, now there is a benefit to extended support, right? Uh, and then Azure also has benefits to Windows. I think they actually have, Joe, I think it's like a Windows uh, service, if you will, right? Um, like a Windows server for Azure, where there's these elements like Ahmad is talking about, where from a licensing perspective, or even now, more recently from a technology perspective, if you run Windows Server as a VM inside of Azure, there's different capabilities you get than if that's Windows Server running, you know, potentially on-prem um, or running in a, another cloud provider. So you put all those things together and and we see it as a differentiator. There's another thing Ahmad, you brought to my mind about lifecycle. Uh, there's other things aside from you know updates and upgrades that we do that really ease the lifecycle, I would say. Uh, we have a feature that we call automated host replacement. Um, so oh, the yeah. idea here is that you know we detect things going awry. Uh, I don't know, like a dim fells or, or some like you know, piece odd, something going wrong with the host um, where we have uh, basically automated tooling that will watch for that to happen. And we can, you know, rotate a new one in, pull the old one out, um, triage that, you know, repair it, replace it, whatever the case is. So there's that aspect of the, the life cycle too, that administrator, administ like people doing administration on-prem might have to deal with that you don't in this type of solution. Okay, so let's let's peel back a little bit of what you said there, Ahmad. Um, you get a you get a VMware environment. So does it look exactly like a, if I deployed it on prem? Like, do I have my host and what is the storage? Is it is it vSAN? Like, is it like a VCF environment that you're giving me, or what exactly? When I when I hit deploy, um, you know, for the various packages, I'm sure there's multiple. But like when I hit deploy for a traditional AVS environment and I log into vCenter, what do I see? Yeah, so the, the first thing is you're going to start off within the Azure portal, right? You go in, select, you'll just do a search for Azure VMware solution, come in, and you'll, you'll start the process in regards to deployment. There's a few questions it'll ask, you know, kind of give me the resource group name, uh, you know, give me the, uh, the network that you want to deploy. It's a slash 26 that gets carved up, right? for all the, the various components that get uh, deployed. And later on, as you have other add-ons like SRM or HCX, it will leverage from that, seg from that segment as well. Now, as part of the deployment, you get a vCenter server. You'll get a host. Standard is three nodes. Uh, now, as part of your subscription, right, you have a quota. And depending on your quota and your subscription, you can start off with more. But typically, it's, it's a three-node deployment, right? And as part of the deployment, they leverage NSX for all the, the plumbing networking and, and all that. Uh, vSAN is the, the back-end uh, storage. But now uh, customers actually have a choice to add additional external storage. You can uh, you know, leverage uh, NetApp uh, today. Uh, I think it's out of preview. Um, it's been announced, right? So uh, you can leverage NetApp for additional storage if you don't want to add more nodes, right? Um, so that's typically the the uh, the environment. 
Now you can deploy that, uh, you know, from the GUI. You could deploy it using, you know, Azure CLI, uh, Bicep. Uh, you know, uh, there's also uh, ARM templates, right? So you know, choose your automation tool of choice. And now, as part of the uh, the post deployment, uh, you have uh, HCX, right, or SRM, depending on your use cases. So HCX, the tool of choice for migration. SRM, uh, you know, for for DR, right? Uh, now, HCX, again, I use the word add-on, but HCX is included as part of the service, right? Where SRM is uh, basically, you're going to have to bring additional licensing yeah. uh, to, to get that enabled. Okay. So you bring your, your, your VM license packs for that, and then you could add that on. Uh, so even if you have SRM licensing today, you're going to have to go through the, the process of converting them to like cloud SRM licensing. Or oh something yeah. There's like a portable cloud SRM licensing deal. So no, fair. fair. Yeah. And, and one more lifecycle management question real quick. So like, I'm assuming when you say lifecycle management is handled by Microsoft, we're talking about just the management of the host, not like if I add, you know, more environments like, or is it every host that's in there gets lifecycle management handled by by Microsoft, is that how that works? So the customer is in charge of the VMs, right? That's that's the whole beauty of this is, as a customer, my job is to focus solely on the workloads, right? Yeah. And I let Microsoft handle the environment itself. And when I say handle, I'm the hosts, the vCenter, the patching, the NSX manager, all that. Now, HCX is, is different, right? Because as the customer, I need to update the HCX uh, components, right? That's That's on me. Uh, but the rest of the core environment, if you will, is handled by by, by Microsoft, and and they do provide you alerting and and uh, and things like that. So it's not a willy nilly uh, operation. You you know in advance when it's happening. Nice. I was nice. smiling over here because we have this um, we have a matrix actually that we show customers that addresses this exact point uh, because the line of demarcation is not always necessarily immediately clear because it is really the shared responsibility model. So typically it's around the cluster where we try to treat the cluster itself as a managed entity. And so the life cycle of like, you know, hosts coming in and out of there um, as they fail, for example, or need to be upgraded, that's something that we do. But if a customer is trying to add it, they have to request that, but then we automate that workflow. But like Ahmad says, once you get essentially below the cluster level, and you're dealing with VMs, um, including, you know, like patching, we get those questions sometimes like, hey, do you patch all our VMs for us? No, you know, we don't. We'll, we'll patch the host, but the VMs are entirely the customer responsibility. Yeah, VM tools, VM uh, compatibility now, formerly hardware, that's all on the customer. Well, but that's something that the urgency to patch VM tools, I feel like slightly less severe as time's gone on. Um, it, it's something to where if you're running slightly older VM tool, I mean, I guess there's memory um, TPS or some things that used to require it, but it's, it's not quite as generally as urgent. Um, but that is nice. The whole construct of, you know, if I've got a problem with a host or something, hardware just appears. Cause that's something that, you know, when we used to run data centers in the office, like it was not generally not that big a deal to go wander into wherever that was, but then it's like, Oh, let's put in a colo. And increasingly people wanted nicer colos and wanted better connectivity. Um, and, you know, that code started getting farther and farther to where it's not that uncommon for people's, you know, primary data center to not be within, you know, an hour driving distance, maybe even requiring a flying trip. And thinking back to like, I would actually go fly out to go replace hardware. Like, that's insane now, you know, or maybe you did remote hands, but like, you know, you were basically trying to describe to someone who had no clue what was going on in your rack 
be like, hey, there's this box and it's it's shaped like this. And I need you to pull this. No, no, not that one. You crash that like versus this kind of like automated system and Microsoft, you know, this is their fleet ops. They know what they're doing. They know what these servers are. It's not just me getting some random, you know, college kid who's working a night shift for remote hands, swapping things out or trying to troubleshoot a live system with me. And like I'm on a, you know, a questionable phone call. Um, th th this just sounds like a much nicer operational model, even though, like you say, there's some joint custody and joint ownership. Um, this sounds still a lot, a lot better than let's, you know, a hundred percent ownership, but I had to go get in my car on Thanksgiving and go drive 200 miles. Well, not only that, but, but think of the procurement, like you just talked about, right? I mean, how many customers have hosts on standby, right? Or the, the amount of time it takes end to end when you say, Hey, I need 10 new blades or 10 new servers or whatever. Right. I mean, that takes, you know, at least anywhere from three, maybe to six months on, on average. And depending on the, the day and time that we live in these days, right. It could be even might not longer before you, or you something. might not get homogenous hosts because mm -hmm. I'm sorry, like, you know, I won't name or shame any specific OEMs, but there's OEMs that like they change their drive part numbers every six months. And Microsoft, I, I know you guys are pretty good at forecasting your purchasing and y'all can actually go to whoever it is you get your discs from and say, hey, I need enough of these the last five years. Like it's a very different model. I don't it used to be a thing like the, the hardware components did not change that often. Like, you know, a 10,000 RPM drive was kind of a 10,000 RPM drive. Um, and you know, you know, it's 600 gig, we, we went from six to 900 and you know, it was a much, I feel like hardware moved a lot slower, but as hardware has moved faster, if you want a consistent and reliable operating model, um, you gotta, you gotta be ready to buy in obscene quantities that just normal people can't do. Otherwise you're going to end up with three generations of hosts and six different drives. Yeah. If you're doing one-off purchase orders or you're doing just in time expansion. Yeah. The beauty here is it's, yeah. it's a simple click. And you can, again, depending on your quota, you can add additional hosts, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty slick. Joe, um, I, know, I know that there used to be an offering for Azure VMware solutions that was provided, uh, that was completely set up by Cloud Simple. Um, is this the same thing? Has that changed? It, it is not the same thing, but it has the same name. And I'm really glad that you brought this up because this, this conversation comes up uh, all the time, um, actually. Um, so the, the official name uh, was Azure VMware Solution by Cloud Simple of the first offering. I think that the history of Cloud Simple and, and, and what happened there is pretty well known. Um, they ended up in, in Google uh, land uh, to uh, become GCP or at least parts of it to my understanding. And so this offering is really something quite different because at the time there were constraints on what we could do as a provider of a VMware service um, that, that came out of VMware. And, and so that was just, it had to be operated by a third party. We couldn't operate it ourselves. And that was the offering. So it was engineered by them. Um, you know, we sold it. Um, they, they, they supported it and it was frankly, like a complex model. Um, this one though is, this is the, the next generation of the offering. Um, and it's similar really only in, in name and in primary function operating as, as this like VMware as a service offering. But this is something that we have engineered jointly between us, you know, and VMware. So there was no third party involved. And I think from our perspective, this gave us some additional flexibility because part of what we're looking at, you know, back to the conversation earlier, 
is we had customers that actually tried to, you know, VMware is everywhere. I don't know the number now, but I think it's tens of millions of VMs still, or VMware VMs are on-prem. And we had customers that tried to move to the cloud and they tried to do the, the modernization to cloud with something like IaaS. Um, and some of those customers, you know, failed. Um, some number of those customers have come back now to Azure VMware solution using tools like HCX uh, to, that really facilitates the process. Um, but now in this offering, because we're jointly engineering it and it's a first party offering, there is more of an opportunity to provide, I would say like deeper integration into native uh, Microsoft services. And, and that is something that, you know, if, if a customer so desires, the same customer that tried a few years back and was not able to make this transition, um, now they've, you know, moved thousands of VMs using HCX and they're looking at not only, you know, how do I um, modernize into say some, some native services for compute and storage, but there could be things from a management perspective that could be beneficial too. They might not just have, you know, AVS in their Azure environment, they could have other things. And so we're really looking at, you know, things like unified management stories that we can provide across the, the cloud surface that is encompassing of things like ABS VMs and, and other, you know, VMs as well. So, you know, it's similar, right? It started off in the same part of VMware and there's this bundle that we get, um, but we built our own offering on top of it. And that's what we call Azure VMware Solution today. I like it. I like it. Joint solution. Does that mean there's joint support or does it just like go to Microsoft? <laughs> uh, so, it's a, it depends. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll give my answer and then I'll, I'll hand off to Ahmad because it, it depends on which part that we're talking about. But um, I think this is one area where, you know, we really wanted to make it easy for our existing and, you know, potentially new Microsoft customers. Like I talked about before, though, even if you're not an Azure customer, but you're a Microsoft you know, customer, there's a lot of those Microsoft and VMware customers that were existing today. And so that we felt that it was important to give those customers a good option to say, hey, I wanna buy it from Microsoft. I want it to be supported by Microsoft. And like we talked about, jointly engineered by Microsoft. So generally speaking for AVS, when you need support, you come to us. Um, and then if it becomes necessary, there's, there's a handoff that, that can occur um, when we need to, to escalate um, for particular cases. So if we run into, you know, I don't know, like a bug with NSX, for example, it's not our code, we can't fix it. We need VM, VMware's help with that. And there's there's other parts, I think I'll let Ahmad talk about the, the HCX and SRM component because that's another one where, you know, it, it, it really depends um, which part of the solution we're talking about. Yeah, so like Joe said, uh, typically a customer would uh, contact Microsoft, right? And uh, and go through Microsoft support. And Microsoft support will handle the escalation to VMware. So the customer doesn't need to deal with the, the escalation. They just deal with the initial uh, ticket. And from that perspective, you know, when, like so Joe said, you know, if they run into a bug, if they ran into some HCX issues, with they, which they've ran into in the past, they'll contact VMware support, work with VMware support until the escalation or the issue gets uh, gets resolved. So again, it all goes through Microsoft support, which is which is a great process, right? Versus, versus the customer having to to be that intermediate be between the two. So they they try to make it as smooth as possible for the, the customer. Yeah, fair enough. Microsoft's got lots of experience with support. Uh, I know I've worked with them for many years. It's a it's a well oiled machine. So that that's good stuff. Uh, use cases. Is this something that's good for just about any VMware use case that we can think of? Like I know we've got some 
you know, we've got some corner cases inside of VMware, whether it's using GPUs or, 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 or other, you know, modern applications with Tanzu. So like what use cases from in the VMware portfolio is this, you know, targeted towards? I mean, data center extension, right? Uh, it's a common use case, data center evacuation, right? Um, you know, some customers have used this uh, based off region proximity, right? Trying to get into a particular region. Uh, virtual desktops is another one that comes up a lot. I hear uh, that one a lot. So that's, you could run Horizon on top of that um, as your, as like you run your own Horizon or is that like a managed VDI offering? I'll let Joe talk more around uh, the, the Horizon aspect uh, there, but I, I do know that they now have capabilities in regards to Office 365. If you're running, uh, you know, uh, virtual desktops within uh, within Azure, so uh, I'm not a VDI expert, and nor do I plan to uh, to become one. So uh, I'll pass that baton to to Joe. Yeah, and Joe, before you answer, when John John reminded me, you reminded me of the Office 365. Are companies still deploying Exchange locally? Is that still a thing? Or I mean, I mean, Office 365 makes the most sense. But like, are there companies that are still like, nah, we're we're gonna we're gonna roll our own. This is it. We're doing Exchange in house. Is that still a thing? I hope not. Uh, <laughs> it, it comes up though because I actually remember this thing. It's really rare that I hear about it. But maybe like a month ago, there was a customer that was asking this question of um, migrating their their Exchange VM that's on prem, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> let's back up a second and talk about like just because you can doesn't mean you should, folks. Yeah. Um, As a VMware think, employee, I'll show up and be like, yeah, just just move the mailbox. It's 365. We don't want that so, either. Like, so why? somebody did why? that actually. Is they responded? It was like in, in Teams, of course, because we're Microsoft. And someone responded with the link to the article that describes how to do that. And they're like, <laughs> stop it. Just migrate your mailboxes already. Um, so I think there's some holdouts, you know. But it's an interesting point because we get customers. I, I'm really surprised by this. Where still to this day, we have customers that are running. Um, five five environments um, and six zero environments, and we we get this from the field like almost weekly um, about like uh, HCX isn't going to support you know five five. How do I migrate these people? And I was like, what are they doing with five five? You know. And so I think you get um, government entities is a really good example of a place where you know funding and skilling can be issues, for example. So it wouldn't surprise me if it was a government entity with this you know old exchange uh, VM. And um, I mean, there's there, there's ways of getting around it, essentially. But I think there probably are people running really, really, you know, old workloads eager to get the cloud. And they've just kind of got some some tech debt, basically, that they, they have to deal with in, in getting over. And, and we do our best to, to help our customers through those scenarios as we're able to. I mean, I, I think there may be some like sovereignty, like weird stuff involving subpoenas was the last the. Someone explained to me why they're running Exchange on Prana. I was like, okay, lawyers, you know, anytime there's like a bad architecture decision, I'm like, there's lawyers involved. So, you know, maybe, but yeah, <laughs> or you're just probably, bad. Right, probably more tech I mean, debt. That, that can't but, happen, right? I mean, yeah. But no. So, so we're going to get some angry emails to podcast at VMware.com of like, why are you still running Exchange? Like, yeah, yeah. no. Yeah, no, Exchange is great. Exchange is great, people, but it is it is advanced uh, since you know the the early days. Um, I guess I, I can take my Exchange are, certifications yeah. off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've got like in, my MCSE books are actually right next to me. You know, the four O ones. I'm dating myself there. Um, yeah, you know, I I get it, and I think that that is you know we didn't really touch on that, but that's another thing about 
um, some customers that we see there, there are, there is initial reluctance about the, the, the server hugger crew, if you will, like, well, what am I going to do if Microsoft's doing all this stuff for me? But I think really done well, um, what we see in organizations as they mature is it opens up um, really avenues for them to do like new things in their career that's higher value to the organization. Um, and we're seeing some of those patterns play out. You know, it takes time, right? Like enterprise customers, in my view, are not the, the, the swiftest customers out there. Um, but we're starting to see the shift over time where, you know, they kind of get the, the, the VMware estate in, if you will, or the vSphere estate anyway, into AVS. And now they're starting to look at, you know, well, how do I really make use of, of some of these other capabilities that the cloud provides? And, and this was this is the other thing that we didn't touch on earlier that I, that I want to emphasize is this idea of running kind of some hybrid thing where I decompose my application into different parts and I leave some on prem and some on cloud. Yes, you know that could work in certain scenarios, but often that latency would be you know really too high uh, for it to fit you know many use cases. And and so here where you've got this adjacency of basically you know VMware living inside of you know a few hundred microseconds away from all these like really crazy selection of services that can do interesting, interesting things. Um, now that we've shortened that link between, you know, our traditional estate and the new cloud to something that's, you know, basically, you know, in the same data center, I think it opens up really interesting possibilities and broadens the use cases that folks can, can adopt in their environment or that allows them to realize this kind of modernization journey, but do it in a stepwise function so they don't have to big bang it all. You know, you can move your front end, your back end independently without having to sacrifice performance. Yeah, I mean, the first thing they get is that infrastructure modernization, right? By simply yeah. migrating, you know, to something like an AVS. Uh, and then over time, they have access to uh, a number of native services that they can leverage, right? And and especially like when you look at something like an, an AVS that's right there, close proximity to to Azure native services, I mean, it's, it's no brainer that you look at your SQL DBs, right? You start looking at, you know, your your uh, Windows servers, things like that, that you can actually easily uh, start uh, encompassing native services. And then over time, you could look at at other services, right? The, the other thing that I want to highlight that we haven't uh, talked about is uh, when it comes to manageability, uh, something that, that came out, uh, I mean, it's been out for a minute, but it's not too long, uh, Arc, right? I really like... Uh, what they what Microsoft is starting to do with with Arc, the capability of managing both my uh, workloads within Azure, plus my workloads that reside within my AVS environment. So within vCenter, I can manage it from Arc within the uh, the Azure portal. Right uh, now, it's not reinventing the wheel with vCenter. I mean, there's things you you know you can do, power on, all that stuff. I can't I can't get to a, a VM console, but again, this is something new, right? and they're still working and, and adding capabilities. But the fact now is I'm going to one centralized portal to manage these two different types of, of workloads, right? So that's, uh, that's a pretty big uh, direction and a, and a good start. I hadn't heard of ARC, what does that stand for? Azure Resource Center, I don't know, I would have to look. It's normally stylized with a capital A though and a lowercase RC, so I never thought of it as being an, an acronym or, or a three-letter three acronym, off the look. Okay. Stumped me. <laughs> and that's the manageability for, for, for your environment. You would go through Arc? Yeah, the idea is, uh, so, so Ahmad was talking about it, is we have a, a concept, and it works for on-prem too, by the way, 
is we have this concept of a, of a resource bridge. And that's basically a way to proxy vSphere resources um, via vSphere API into Azure to facilitate manageability. Um, and so what this means is we do something called um, resource projection. And so when you have this resource bridge installed, it, it lets like Azure Resource Manager, Azure know about the resources that are that are there and, and makes them like, you know, Azure aware. And then from the, the same place in the portal, like Ahmad is talking about, you could see your Azure IaaS VMs and your AVS VMs, you know, side by side. So let's go back to the example that we were giving a minute ago where Ahmad talked about like, hey, we got this customer and they've decided we want to modernize by doing some sort of SQL pass. So we start off by using HCX to migrate that SQL VM in. And then kind of step two would be, all right, we're going to now migrate from the AVS VM into an Azure IaaS VM. But let's say there's other VMs for whatever reason that I've left in, inside of AVS. So historically, from a manageability perspective, I've got these two places to go. And this is what Arc is really trying to do is bridge that divide. So now I can see in the portal, those things right next to each other. I can see my, my SQL PaaS stuff, or if I have a SQL VM or whatever, right next to the, 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 the AVS ones and manage them together, apply policy together. That's like the forward-looking vision. As Ahmad mentioned, you know, this is a work in progress. I like it. I like it. Very cool. Well, yeah, man, this is uh, this is a pretty good introduction to Azure VMware Solutions. Uh, I uh, I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, is there going to be any presence at VMware Explore uh, from 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 an Azure VMware Solutions perspective? I'm sure there's got to be at least a booth or or some presentations that we can share. And anything that you're aware of? Having not used Chat GPT, I don't know if my uh, my submissions are going to get approved. So I wish yeah. I had known that a few weeks ago. I'll take it in mind for. 2024. No, absolutely. Uh, we we will have, um, to my knowledge, a booth at uh, at VMware Explorer. I almost said VMworld. I'm still working on that, guys. Um, so we will have a booth. There will be um, some number of sessions. I, I don't know if they've finished. Maybe y'all would know better than I do if they've gone through the process of all the approvals. So uh, last I heard is that was um, kind of ongoing. I think things were due and they were being reviewed. I've yeah. heard of a few. So there will certainly be some that are um, high level. We have, I think, um, someone from our um, senior leadership team for AVS coming in that will be joining, um, you know, someone on the VMware side, much like, you know, we're doing today with me and Ahmad, because it is jointly developed solution to talk about, you know, some of the high level business and overview of the service. And then we did submit a few things. I think there was um, the two that I know of for sure, we do a what's new session every year. Um, so in an hour, we try to tell you like everything we've done in, in the last year. Um, so I think I'm will be one of the co-presenters of that session. Nice. And then there's another one where you know we could. I mean, and like I'm happy to come back if you guys want me back. We could do a whole other uh, session dedicated to networking. Uh, this comes up a lot with customers, um, but we will do some sort of ABS networking session. Um, at, at, at during the conference, because this is where we find customers spend a lot of time and it just varies depending on how you're coming in. So like I mentioned, we have customers that are Microsoft, joint Microsoft and VMware customers, not Azure customers yet. Then we have customers who have an Azure presence because a different part of their organization has started one of these cloud projects, you know, that maybe is moving slow. Yeah. And now we're trying to put AVS in on top of it. Um, things can get tricky in that scenario because, you know, in cloud, we have these things 
concepts around like landing zones and how you should architect things in a particular way. It's nice to start, you know, from scratch where we can. That's not the reality. But when you have these hub and spoke models and you plug something like AVS in, there's a lot of considerations uh, to, to factor in to how you do that design and potentially rework it. So that session will be, you know, about that um, and, and some of the options you have there. I certainly encourage folks to attend that if you're if you make the conference and you're able to. Yeah, and it's absolutely. interesting because networking, you have kind of in in Azure networking, if you will, right? And then you have the the connectivity options, right? That that allows you to connect your on-prem environment to an AVS, right? So Express Route, right? Uh, low latency, high bandwidth. Uh, we we support VPN, which uh, you know, I mean, that's now uh, opened a lot of doors, especially for regions that don't have. Uh, express route capabilities or small remote offices, right? Uh, and and including also SD-WAN. So definitely a, a lot of connectivity options to connect your on-premises environment and start migrating your, your workloads. Um, and then once you get into uh, AVS now, uh, you know, there's other connectivity options within the VNet and, and you know, uh, other ways to, uh, to start, uh, as Joe and I discussed, get creative. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's really good stuff. I'm going to leave links on the show notes of this page. So Joe, Ahmad, please share as many as you can. I know there's got to be some opportunities for folks that are not going to VMware Explorer uh, to, to give this a shot, to give it a try. So um, I will leave links to learn more about Azure VMware Solutions on the show notes of this page. But uh, with that, I want to thank Joe and Ahmad for joining us. Uh, John, anything else before we let these gentlemen go? No, that was a, that was a lot. Now I'm a little feeling a little self-conscious about my tan, but I'll, I'll ask chat GBT how I can improve it. So <laughs> it's probably because you have me side by side on the same screen. Not uh, a good John. look here, John, I'll help right. you look now you're side by side with me. You look great, but yeah, there we <laughs> ne ne next to a mod. It's not, that's not doing you any favors. <laughs> Joe, Ahmad, thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having us. us.